Hi, and welcome to Jenny in the Corner Office, episode number two, The Opportunity Cost. I'll be hosting today's podcast and all the other ones. Who am I? I'm Jen Shell, a portfolio strategist with Tree Grove Investment Management, Inc. Hey everyone, welcome back, episode number two, holla, yay. So, um, in my last episode, I don't know if you recall, but I'm going to remind you either way, and I must say that it is so wonderful not to be interrupted by anyone. I can just talk and talk and talk. It feels so strange not to be interrupted. I'm going to give you an awesome recap of what we had discussed during my last episode, which was called the TMI effect, which stood for too much information. We established that you were suffering from information overload and that I was going to filter out all the nonsense on a best efforts basis, of course, because we all know what happens when you overpromise and underdeliver. So I'm going to do the opposite for you all, and I'm going to under-promise and over-deliver. I also treated you to the merits of a fine functional capitalist system and uh, ousted myself as a capitalist activist. I still maintain that position today. I am a capitalist activist as it stands and I'm proud of it. Everyone has had a financial experience. We know that. Some are good and some are not so good. In this age, everyone demands 100% positivity and greatness and our expectations are based on perfectionism. And sometimes that's difficult to obtain. But you know what? You're all perfect in my eyes and there's so much room for improvement. And just like you, we all have had some negative experiences with money, usually in the form of losing money. And I can, you know, I can admit that this has also happened in my case. Really, do you know anyone who hasn't lost money? No, because we're all losers. Come and listen over here, my fellow losers. Losers unite, misery loves company. Though, see, I got some union blood in me. When I meet disgruntled people and ask them to expand on their investing experience, often I hear two common burn scenarios. They complain about how they hate the market or that they were denied a loan. Just to bring you back a bit, as I had mentioned, I'm from Sudbury, Ontario, where everyone is obsessed with hockey. They really are hockey fanatics. I'm not exaggerating. This is actually how it is in Northern Ontario. I don't have any exact figures, so don't quote me on this, but a large majority of the population played hockey. And in hockey, they have different leagues. The Amateur Hour League, or Bush League, I don't know, I'm just making that up. The House League, double A, triple A, juniors, college uni hockey, and uh, of course the famous National Hockey League, commonly known under its abbreviated form as the NHL, where all the most skilled and adult hockey players congregate to earn a healthy living. Whenever someone threw shade your way, a common retaliation was to hate the player, not the game. So what does this have to do with loans and markets? Please just bear with me, a bunch of hosers. Does anyone know where that came from? I'll tell you. According to HockeyWriters.com, a hoser was what they used to call a loser. This is because the losing team had to ice down the ice with water after the game because Zambonis weren't yet invented. And that's a fact. So the McKenzie brothers uh, used to call each other hosers all the time. This was a really popular 80s cult movie about hockey player culture in Canada, and they were pretty funny. Interestingly enough, they went to some sort of brewery And the fun began at that brewery because they wanted free beer and they brought a bottle that had a mouse in the beer bottle. And uh, this seems far-fetched, but I can tell you from experience that it is not far-fetched and that this can actually happen. So my sister and I had a party. We had a house party when my parents went away 
to Elliott Lake for my dad's high school reunion and uh, there were some beer bottles that were in the woods and my dad found them when he was cleaning up our yard. We must have missed one or two and inside that beer bottle there was a mouse. Uh, So this does happen. This is a very true phenomenon. It must have happened to these Mackenzie brothers and I can therefore, I can also test that this happened to me as well. So anyways, I used to watch my friends play hockey back in the day. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself a puck bunny. We just didn't really have any other forms of entertainment. We didn't have any cell phones. And this was a really inexpensive activity to do because it was social and games were all free. What I want to discourage though is for you to be like those crazy hockey parents who shit out classic insults like, you suck, Jimmy. Hustle, hustle, go get him. Take him out. You're such a disappointment. You're all losers, flaming bears. Go home. I don't know. What's a good hockey team name? Flaming Bears. They're all named after animals from what I can see. Anyways, you get the idea. Uh, If parents were to shout out insults at any other time, or if anyone were to shout out insults like they do in hockey, or cause fights like they do in hockey, it'd be considered abuse. But when you play hockey, it's all good, and it's totally acceptable. I kind of see some of the effects of the bullying on the ice with the kids, because they do grow up eventually. And all these kids get super defeated every time they lose because their parents set them up for unfair expectations. It's very sad. And other times, it's just a lack of training and preparation, and that's it. And when you lose every single game, it's probably not the right sport for you, or else you're playing in the wrong league, and you're out of your league. So, you know, like you see kids crying and you see them get angry, and then you realize that maybe in sp- instead of spending all those hours in a cold ice box of a hockey rink, that your little Jimmy should have been studying physics instead. Think about the possibilities. We could have been to Mars by now. No offense to the people who have made it in the NHL. Good on you. You get to play a game and be athletic and skate around for your whole life and get paid for it. So the financial system has a lot of players too. And some aren't qualified to be there. And sometimes that leads to some frustration. But it's really good to recognize when you're in the wrong spot or if you're having a losing streak and you need to get out or else just take a step back and reflect and correct what isn't working for you any longer. Because, you know, it's not always gonna be a perfect straight line journey. And, you know, just like Jimmy, when you're over your head, the situation can become frustrating. And then you become resentful of the coaches and the team general management because you weren't getting the results that you anticipate. You know, sometimes uh, I just wish that people paid attention to finance professionals like they do with hockey players. And, you know, like hockey players, uh, well, employees at the banks are traded. You know, we're big financial institutions, big corporations. So that same person that denied you a loan at the first bank where you're at might be at your current bank a week later, depending on the payroll and depending on how soon they get hired. Or maybe your expectations are out of line. It's the same with money management. And if you're denied a loan, there might be a good reason for it. Maybe you won't be able to pay it back, or maybe you didn't have your paperwork in order. And a lot of the times, that's usually the case. And also the market, you know, if you hate the market, maybe you just took on too much risk too soon, or your time expectations uh, weren't in line with your investment objectives. And this is a fancy way to say that uh, some more planning is needed to figure out what you're trying to get out of your investments. The other thing is maybe you just didn't pick the right coach to develop Jimmy's talent. And like Jimmy, the same goes for your financial situation. You need to find the right person that's good for you. It's kind of like a marriage. 
you know, sometimes things work out and they're good for a while and then things break up and you move on. And that can happen as well with the financial relationships. So the same goes for your financial situation. But you know, the moral of the story is like, come on, easy there, bud. Don't hate the player, hate the game. The moral of this long-winded story is to stop being that crazy, angry hockey parent and to focus on what's right for Jimmy. But in your case, it's to focus on what's right for you and your inner child. Isn't that zen and beautiful? I think so. I'm pretty proud of that statement. But, you know, if all else fails, you can live off the grid. Yeah. I don't want you guys to live off the grid. Then I have nobody to listen to my podcasts. Just listen to a few of my segments before, you know, you go off the deep end and live off the grid. But no, I don't want you to live off the grid. That's not what I mean. What I mean to say is that when you understand the rules of the game and how it works, you won't get so frustrated. You can live financially free and still enjoy the game of life, but you need to find the right team at the right level to support you. Support is very, very important, and it's critical to your success. Then you'll enjoy the experience so much more. If you want to make it to the big leagues, just do yourself and do everyone a favor and just get your paperwork in order. Make it easy for people to want to grant you access to capital or worthwhile for more sophisticated approaches than what you're doing. You know, like, don't hate the player, hate the game. Who's in charge of the game anyways? You know who's in charge of the game? It's uh, the general manager. And hockey, like the banking system, is a corporation. Who's in charge of the operations at an organization? That's kind of like my Jeopardy tune, but it didn't really come out right. It's management. The only way policies change are when you change the management. There is one hockey team that I know of that can do no wrong. And even though they aren't winners, people still really, really love them. So if losing is so terrible, why are you willing to buy expensive hockey tickets to their games when you can't even get behind your own game, huh? You know, just in case you're wondering, I never actually played hockey. Well, the closest I came to playing hockey was when I had to learn to rollerblade to keep up with my friends who played hockey. Those were both girls and boys, and they played various calibers of hockey, but they actually, some of them actually made it to the NHL, so I really had to step up my game in this instance. But to do that, I had to practice every day for four hours to keep up to them and I'd have to do this really early in the morning and uh, later at night when there were hardly any cars on the road. Eventually I became skilled enough to at least skate with my friends around the city and we bladed around the city and we were so cool but how did I keep up to these guys? Practice, scrapes, bruises, getting up, falling again, skating over rough pavement and surfaces just made me stronger. Those were happy times. They were happy because I overcame failure and developed my abilities. But just in case you're wondering, nope, I never made the NHL. It's not my calling in life, and I'm totally okay with that. I've got 99 talents, but hockey is not one. Speaking of uh, happy, our society also likes to entice us with all these positive images, and it reinforces all these happy people. You know who they are. They're usually somewhat attractive, well-dressed, and life seems perfectly hunky-dory. And just like them, you can be rich too. You know, you can overdose on positivity and then it becomes a poison, a volatile poison. Just like, keep on them, Jimmy. Beat them up and you'll win. And it's like, positivity. It's like a bad perfume. Positivity is just too aggressive today. I'm, uh, I'm thankful though, that it's become unacceptable to ask a woman to smile. Because I had to put up with this for a number of years. Sometimes I just don't feel like smiling. 
and I used to get it all the time. Strangers would always break my idea bubbles with their positivity punches. I'd be in the zone, you know, thinking up great thoughts, and then all of a sudden I'd be interrupted. Smile, smile. Oh, smile, you'd look so much prettier if you just smiled. I don't care, I don't need to look pretty, I just need my thoughts. It's the same with those uh, positive motivational quotes. Some of them are cute, you know, I have no problem with the cute ones, but they command you to laugh when you don't feel like it, love when you don't feel like it. It's what I like to call passive aggressive positivity. And if it seems forceful, it totally is because it also sets you up for unfair expectations of being happy all the time, which is just not a reality. And it also denies your intuition. Your intuition is there to guide you and to tell you when something's probably not right and maybe you should look into it and do some further soul searching. And you're forcing yourself to ignore the warning signals that your body and mind are trying to give you. As a result, you feel shame that you weren't able to materialize wealth, cars, love, or a great life or become an NHL super player. Do you ever go on Instagram? Facebook and you see your neighbors or people with their perfect lives and then you wonder hey why can't that be me if I just think positive I can be just like them or live in the super great 10 million dollar mansion and drive these really super duper fancy cars all you need to do is focus on being positive and you can manifest anything you want it's so great and so easy everyone's doing it really like who are you Harry Potter and the Master of Wizardry? Seriously, get real and face the fact that you're a muggle. For those of you who don't know what a muggle is, it's from Harry Potter, and I really enjoyed that series of books. A muggle is uh, a human without magical powers, and you don't have any magical powers. I really hate to break it to you, but you don't. You're an adult, I think you can take that now. But when you can accept that you're a mere muggle, you won't put these outlandish expectations on yourself. It really does just take some hard work and dedication and consistency. If you do the little things every day, then big things can happen in the long term. I just want to let you know, because this is the Jenny monologues, I had a bad experience with the law of attraction. Can I tell you about it? You know, it's a great thing doing your own podcast because nobody can interrupt you. So I'm going to tell you about it, whether you'd like to hear it or not. I really, really wanted to have a BMW by the age of 25. Because all the cool kids drove BMWs and I really, really wanted one. And all the people in movies had these nice cars and I watched Beverly Hills 90210 and I thought that that was my reality and that that would be a sign that I had made it. Needless to say, I actually got one and it was a total piece of junk. It was a failure. The clutch went, the air conditioning went, the ball joints went, the tie rods went, it would stall for no particular reason, the check engine light came on all the time, The alarm would always, always, always go off and wake up everybody and I'd get noise complaints. Needless to say, I know way more about the mechanics of a vehicle than I care to know ever. And this, this is actually what happens when you fail, or in my case, you make a stupid purchase. This is consumerism at its worst. You're forced to learn about things that you wouldn't want to know about. And now I know about cars but I have a new appreciation for cars. So I've learned since then, and when I went to purchase my next car, the dealerships were so surprised with my knowledge on car parts and my questions, and they didn't rip me off. I also had the internet to back up all the prices, so I knew what my competitors were offering. I negotiated some great deals on both my cars, and I saved myself thousands of dollars. And I don't know about you, but I totally love saving money. So if you failed financially, count yourself lucky. You develop some mad coping skills. But now that I've, you know, 
told you about failures and I called you all losers. And I do apologize if I hurt anybody's feelings. That's not the point of my podcast. I want to elevate you and make you feel great. But I also want to tell you that you aren't alone and that uh, you shouldn't suffer in silence because you lost money. But we're going to talk about good things now. For a dose of positive reality, here's some good news. There is always an opportunity. This is what I hear all the time, and it just pains me, pains me to no end. But I hate numbers. No, you don't. You do? You hate numbers? Really? Liars. I call shenanigans. Only losers hate numbers. Did you know hating numbers is a dream killer? Just like uh, other big dream killers are greed, laziness, jealousy, fear of loss, and holding grudges. I say the fear of numbers is a bit of laziness and holding on to grudges and uh, a combination of having a fear of loss. Do you know what the outcomes of these sentiments are? Do you know what the outcomes of greed, laziness, jealousy, fear of loss, and holding grudges are? Well, I'll tell you a little bit later in depth, but really some very tough times ahead. Some very tough times ahead for you indeed. So we want to prevent this. Just don't fear the numbers. Besides, what did the numbers ever do to you? Oh, but finance is boring and I'm so bad at math. I just can't do it. Yeah, it's boring. Well, it's not so boring when you pick seven numbers to win the $60 million jackpot, is it there? No, bud. No, it's not. When there are dollar figures attached, you're pretty motivated then. You know what that is? That's probability. Ooh, probability. Did I scare you? It's stats. Do you know that the probability of you winning the Lotto Max main draw with a $5 ticket? Do you know what the probability is? If you buy one lottery ticket for $5, that's 1 in 28,633,528 to be exact. And that's according to the OLG. Do you know what your odds are of winning on the stock market? 50%. You either lose or you win. But first you have to commit. And committing to an investment strategy is sometimes more complex than marriage, it would seem. And that's a whole other topic for another podcast. But there's always an opportunity in your soulmates out there. Let's consider a few historical investment examples. So we're clear, this isn't investment advice. This is just, uh, these are just some historic figures that I got from various sources. So here we go. On the day of the IPO on May 18th, 2012, you could have bought Facebook shares at $38.23 per share, and now they are worth $185.85 as of closing on Friday, October 18th, 2019. So you would have made almost five times your money. According to the Toronto MLS home sales, the average price of a Toronto home was $566,696 in 2014, compared with $952,311 for October 2019, an increase of 68% on your investment. Woohoo! That's a lot, my friends. The 52-week range of the Dow has fluctuated from a low of $21,712.53 to $27,398.88, and I'm using cents just so we're precise. So that's a 26% trading range. So if you would have timed that right, which let's be honest, no one ever does, you would have made a 26% return in a year, which is 52 weeks last time I checked. 
Uh, but you know what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know what? All these opportunities every single year, every single day, every single week. But you know what? It doesn't matter because people are still upset over those Nortel shares they lost years ago. And therefore, they're afraid of investing. Well, like aside from, I don't know, maybe a residual subsidiary or something small, uh, my friends, Nortel is gone. It's long gone. But you're still holding a grudge. Here's my reality check for you. It's time to get over it. It's okay. There's an opportunity every single day. I just demonstrated it. Everyone loses a game now and then. It's natural. But just get over it. Figure out what you did wrong and pick up your socks and try again. People get itchy for returns, but get spooked when the values fluctuate. If you want to poke holes into your financial future, I can show you how to do it. Sometimes I get these really, really excited calls from my clients and they get super, super itchy for these like grandiose returns. But then when they invest or commit to this investment strategy, they get super spooked out. Please proceed with caution and don't go chasing the bull by its tail now. If you want to poke holes into your financial future, you want to avoid any kind of mess, I can show you how to do it. What are those holes that can sink a ship? Well, for one, greed. That's why so many get-rich-quick scams are so effective. They're basically just scams to take your money, and it's theft. They're Ponzi schemes, but you've really got to be critical and say, really, is this is this too good to be true? Like 50% return over a year? Hmm... Uh, number two, <clears throat> a number two hole that will sink a ship, laziness. This is kind of why people buy the lottery because they think that they're going to be the one in 28 million and something, something, something that's going to win the ticket. And that's a, you know, it's possible. So I'm not saying don't buy one ticket every once in a while. But if you're relying on this to get you rich or to get you through retirement, you need to be given a reality check right now. You probably won't win, and usually most people have to work for it. So if you can put squirrel away some money for your retirement, this is probably better than just assuming that you're going to win this big windfall from somewhere. Jealousy. Jealousy is also a big dream killer. Did you ever notice what kind of neighborhood you're in, and there's always somebody who has a better fence than you, better dog than you, a better car than you? Uh, a brand new door, perfectly manicured lawn, and I won't go on, but uh, we like to call those neighbors Mr. Jones, and it's the Mr. Jones complex. You know what you can say to that Mr. Jones? You know, just say, hey, I totally respect what you're doing for yourself, but you know, I'm good. I'm good. Hey, Mr. Jones, bye. That's how the millennials say bye. Bye. Uh, moving on, a fear of loss. And when you're constantly insecure about having anything and you don't feel you have enough for your retirement or your life objectives and you latch on to the latest conspiracy theories, uh, this is a fear of loss. It's not facing the reality that you need to do something about your current situation and that you got to stop blaming others for why you're not getting ahead. Maybe you aren't taking enough risks to get where you need to go. And that's just something you have to consider, not to say that that's the answer. It's just that having a fear of loss and fearing anything will keep you from getting ahead. The last thing I want to mention is holding grudges. You know, you hold grudges for people who did you wrong, uh, for corporations who did you wrong. But like I mentioned, corporations are not people. They are run by people and they are run by management. And if management's gone, you could have a totally different organization. One of the consequences of making a poor decision 
of uh, holding grudges is uh, making further poor decisions, the same decisions. That's also the definition of insanity. Doubling down on losing positions. And then war. When people hold grudges and they hold them for too long, sometimes you can get massive conflicts within populations or peoples and they can cause a war and that's not good for anyone. So my motto is to carpe diem and seize the opportunity. And uh, I am not aware how you say this in Latin, the opportunity that is, but I know that carpe diem means seize the day. So I'd like you to do that. You know, let's just live like Elsa from the Disney movie Frozen and let it go. That was uh, the best you're gonna get from me from a song. Uh, So that's all I've got for this week listeners and during my next episode we'll be discussing some behavioral finance aspects and what's holding you back from being you now for the disclaimer and we'll see you next week all content on this podcast is my own and does not necessarily reflect the views of tree grove investment management inc tim in brackets the information provided herein is meant for canadian residents only is general in nature and does not contain any financial, legal, tax, or investment recommendations or advice. Following or showing interest in a securities issuer on the site is not a recommendation to invest in such issuer securities. Any commentary that might be construed as an endorsement or recommendation on this podcast and or transcripts on a website should not be construed as explicitly or implicitly approved by me or TIM. You agree that you will not communicate any personal or confidential information through this site.